What is up, entrepreneurs and business owners? We are here with a stronger business podcast in studio today. This is going to be a fun episode. This is an episode that really connects and relates to so many of our listeners out there and I think is, I don't know, just such a huge topic right now for us all to talk about and understand and kind of get into that world of burnout and at a job you feel stuck in and just what are some stories and different ways that other people have been able to figure out how to how to navigate burnout, how to navigate getting out of something that you don't necessarily love being your full-time gig anymore. We have an awesome guest today. She's a physician's assistant. She is a coach, consultant on burnout. Um, she's a writer. She's a podcaster, a speaker. Hope Cook, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Today's going to be fun. So, Obviously, you are in the medical field. You've been a PA for a long time. You are no longer full-time as a physician's assistant. And you told me a story earlier, like, in this building, like, there was a conversation that, like, happened to you that you're like, oh, my God, I can't do this for another 20 years. Yeah. So, yeah, we're on the seventh floor, and... The last time I was on this floor in this building, we were here for a financial planning meeting. And it was supposed to be pretty routine. We were just going over the numbers, make sure we're on track. And we're sitting at this long conference table, and the guy slides a piece of paper across and says, Hope, you're pretty set. As long as you stay here for another 20 years, you should be pretty good to go. And he turned to my husband, and I was like, wait, 20, 20 years? And the it just echoed in my head, 20 years, 20 years, 20 years. And all I could think was, I can't. I can't do this another 20 years. I, can, I don't even know if I can do it another year. And yeah. this was the first time I'd really admitted it to myself. I think I knew, but I had not admitted it. And which, yeah. It which was, I think is... It's so hard to admit because it goes against everything, like you're taught or the direction you're pushed, and especially at your level. Like, I mean, you, yeah, years and years and years of education, and it's a very targeted degree, too. Yes, I mean, I, if you're anything like my wife and her specialized field in the medicals, I like student loans of a couple hundred thousand dollars, and like nine years of education and then like you are truly like somewhat what people believe like in the dream situation of you have a lot of income you have an employer but it's it's not it becomes I think you use the term like the handcuffs or golden handcuffs yeah I mean on paper it was perfect um and it just at the time I was baffled like why can't I do this am I weak Am I the only one who feels this way? I just need to be more resilient. You know, I was the breadwinner in our family, too, which made it hard because I didn't want to cut back. And Yeah. um, But, yeah, we had to have a hard conversation on the way down in the elevator. (laughs) (laughs) That came out of nowhere, I'm guessing. Right. My husband was like, what was that about? (laughs) So, obviously, you had that feeling, and that's, I guess, the first step is – is realizing, hey, I I cannot do this for another 20. This is not right. This is not yeah. where I'm fulfilled. This is not where I'm happy. This is not the life I want for the next 20 years as a as work and as career or not in this format. But, like, what action? How did you, like, take – it's one thing to have that feeling, but then the courage to take action and overcome all the 
fear financially, socially, identity? Like, what happened from there? Well, it was probably about a year of discernment, trying to figure out what it is I didn't like and okay. what I did like. What what do you want? That's what I ask clients all the time. Ooh. And a lot of them don't know in those early stages. <laughs> you know, if somebody had asked me going down in the elevator, what do you want? I wouldn't have known. Uh, fair enough. So a lot of it, those first few months or maybe even the first year is just noticing in your body, like, what do I feel when I wake up to go to work? Is this dread? <laughs> what do I feel when I pull in the parking lot? What is it specifically about work that really gets to me? And then when do I feel joy? You know, and for me, it was writing. It was talking to other people about issues in their lives. And I didn't really know I would end up being a life coach, but I just paid sure. attention to those things. Makes sense. Do you feel like over your career when you were full-time as a PA, did, do you think you changed a lot? Do you think the environment changed a lot? Which Did it used to be something you loved or is it something? You... Well, it's funny because I love it again. I had really? A, I had a okay. Sh- yeah, I had a shift. <laughs> Ah, this is super interesting. I went through a few different phases, um, but I I got to the point where I was convinced I was going to leave medicine, Mm -hmm. and I turned in my notice, and then my boss, who's a wonderful human being, said, hey, would you want to stay like one day a week? And I'd signed up for a life coaching program that was about nine months, and I thought, well, I mean, yeah, I guess it wouldn't hurt. I could use the money. And during that time, I learned these tools like mindset shifts and how to look at it in a different light. And that changed everything. And all of a sudden, I realized I have a choice. Like, I, I am choosing to be here. You know, it was a, it was a big shift. I don't handcuffed. have to be. You yeah. have to be here. I had the key in my pocket to the handcuffs. <laughs> That's awesome. So when you felt like you wanted to step away, you truly didn't have any idea what you wanted to do. And so you went, is that why you turned to life coaching or is that? Well, the plan was to take a year. We thought that, you know, financially we could probably last a year with me doing some life coaching and, you know, maybe I would write a book, but really I didn't have a concrete plan. Yeah. That's awesome that had the courage it takes to do that. And then also to the commitment from a family standpoint for everybody to I be know. supportive enough to be like, hey, I'm, we're going to figure this out. We, we, can, yeah. we can buy a year. to." You have to get to the point where the pain of staying, the discomfort of yep. staying in that situation is outweighed by the you know, desire to leave. Because for a long time, there's um, like it's tipped the other way. Mm-hmm. Your fear is so great that your brain won't let you even conceive of leaving. Um, so the pain has to get so great that you're like, okay, now it's the time to leave. Yeah. And I, and I think that's what happened with Laura and my wife is after 15 years of hospital and uh, physician's office um, on practice environments, it it just everything just got to be too much. And it got to be just with all the things combined, the, the pain point was like this is not – I don't care, like, we'll sacrifice. Like, this is not an option. But I I don't know so many people I feel like don't get there. I think so many people, they just kind of go to a soul-crushing job Mm -hmm. every day and tough it out. It's not painful enough where they get pushed 
to the level you did or my wife did. Um, But it's just like they're just living a life of, I mean, just somewhat just depressing existence of dreading going to work every day, coming home and trying to just disconnect and show up and do it all again the next day. And so how do people recognize that they're burnt out without getting to that place or having that elevator moment or they're Yeah. I mean, one is dread. If you really dread going to work, that's a sign. Um, If you are just emotionally depleted, there is Uh nothing left in your tank. That's a sign. Um, If I asked you, do you want to still be doing what you're doing in five years? And you're like, no. (laughs) And it's that gut reaction. Yeah. Because then your brain will kick in and say, yeah, I mean, it's good money. Yeah, I've got a good retirement. So you have to pay attention to that gut reaction. How many people you you coach on this um, in your industry and with other PAs at that level and that income level, how many people feel like they just need to suck it up? Like they feel like they don't, I mean, they're just somewhat, well, I'm, I'm in this position, career, making this money. Like it just feels, I guess, entitlement that there's, I should get more. I should, there's more to life. I mean, I'd I say so many of them. Cause I they, feel like that hangs yeah. people up a lot. They're like, what do I have to complain about? Or yeah. why should I think that my situation's bad? I got it made right. over here. It kind of goes like this. So you, you may admit you're burned out and then you go through this panic mode where you're like, Oh crap, what am I going to do? And yeah. your brain is like, I, I mean, I guess I could like do my resume and I could get on Indeed and I could get on LinkedIn and like you go through this panic moment. And if you can move through that and get to the calmer, like I call it a cocoon phase where you're inside the cocoon, you don't know who you're going to be yet, but you're doing all the inner work to figure out what it is you want. Mm-hmm. That's when you can um, grow your wings and decide what you want to do. And about half the people I coach don't quit their jobs they, they do what I did. They sort of Smart. learn tools and figure out that they can shift how they see their job, and then they choose to stay. And maybe they tweak their schedule or they their responsibilities. So they figure out their terms, and they adapt accordingly. Yeah. That's awesome. Because that's the big thing for me. Obviously, I'm a numbers guy, and I'm a money guy. Um, the financial side of walking away from any job at any level, when that's part of what you have to pay most people – most of their money goes to mortgages or bills. I mean, you don't have all this excess money, so you can not have income for a while right. or make a lot less money for a while or, or you know, do those things. So I think just in general, most people aren't in the financial position to just walk away and not have to worry about it. And so that financial risk of saying, hey, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what's next or I don't know what I'll do or if I'll make any money or how much just seems like – such a drastic move. Yeah. And I'm sure for a lot of people, it feels very selfish. They're like, I got a family. I got kids. I'm the breadwinner. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not happy. I don't think I maybe I should be because I have a great job and a great income. And But this feels selfish to walk away and the financial risk. Like, it seems crazy. Um, how do you coach people on that piece of it? Or You got to know that it's going to take time. I mean, really, it's not yeah. going to be within a month. You're going to know what you're going to do the rest of uh-huh. your life. So it is definitely a process, and um, I do like the cocoon metaphor of, like, this is a, a process. You're going to go through a transformation. The old you, the, the caterpillar, actually dissolves. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then a new from that DNA, a butterfly is formed. I love it. And so it really is sort of a dying of who you were, uh-huh. the way you used to do things, and you have to figure out who you're becoming. Um, and that takes time. So, yeah, I try to calm them down and then give them some quick, easy tools they can do to just start noticing. Okay. What are those tools? Tell us some tools. How do people come? Well, one of them is just, I call it the three-thing tool. So just at the end of every day, notice three things that gave you joy or happiness or peace, whatever it is on the positive end of the emotional spectrum, and then three things that drained you. Okay. And they can't be the same three things every day (laughs) because you'll list coffee every day. But really, yes. Okay. You had, yeah. Fair enough. But if you start noticing, that's going to get you um, an awareness of what you need. Because if you have depletion, 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 Mm -hmm. eight hours a day while you're at work, and then your only joy is petting your dog at night, you know, that's a sign. Yeah. I agree. And that's what I've, I mean, I've definitely had my phases of burnout and I've had, it's interesting. I, there was times, especially here recently in the last few years of walking away from my old firm and my old job and, and selling that piece and starting something new. I, I didn't realize how much I didn't like what some of the things I was doing until I stepped away from it. To, oh, so yours was hindsight. Yeah. I, I truly thought I love my job and love what I was doing. I knew it's uh, this thing is not sustainable. I can't keep putting in this much energy and effort and time and just I don't the the time capacity and workload of that level that I was putting in I knew was not sustainable for me. It was not something I wanted. I needed mm-hmm. to make a change. But I truly loved it. I I would work seventy hours a week and love it. I didn't I thought it was great and I'm like, yeah, I've but when I walked away and really focused on the small piece of of it that I like really loved and I was really felt the best at and like what I just really wanted to do as a as a person, as a career, who I am, um, and how I can best serve clients, when I made that move, I realized like pretty quickly, about sixty percent of my old job I really did not like. And I never knew that in the thick of it. Um, And now I look back, and I I mean, I'm I'm only two years out from that, even less than that. I can't imagine, like, being back there, especially we just had a baby eight months ago, like, with a baby and, like, going through that, like, and that that work and life. Like, it's, I don't know. I didn't realize it until I stepped away, and that it was, like, mind-blowing to me, like, wow, there's a, there's some levels of even more joy and happiness here that I didn't realize or didn't see. So I, yeah. You, well, so let me ask you this. How was your body during that time when you were burned out but didn't really realize it? Um, oh, it was it was bad. I mean, I I made a lot of effort to physically take care of myself. I've, I've always been a big fan of you're the biggest asset of your business. Like, you've got to take care mm-hmm. of yourself. If, if you're going to put in 70 hours, you, by God, better take care of yourself to be able to do that. Um, so I'm, I put a lot of effort in trying to take care of myself. Um, prior to that, it was it was bad. I drank too much coffee. I start mixing coffee and alcohol on the weekend. You start ending up with all sorts of night sweats. and Yeah, the systems start breaking and down. Heart palpitations <laughs> and, uh, God, it, it, it was – it was my body was really, especially once I hit about thirty five, my body really started struggling with that life and work yeah. and stress. Um, 
I started taking better care of myself and it fixed some of the stuff. Um, I started eating healthier. I started like exercising every day, but still, I mean, there's just like acid reflux and heartburn and just, I mean, honestly, physically, you just aren't where you need to be with that life and stress. And it wasn't necessarily the time I was putting in. It was the toll it was taking Mm -hmm. mentally and physically on my body and just how all that was working together. Now it's way more energy. I don't have any of the issues I did before. I feel better. I think I look younger. I feel better. I like have more energy. I have more passion. That's yeah. The body keeps the score. Like it really does. In yoga, they say you hold issues in your tissues, and it's true. I mean, your your body will know before your brain that something is going on. That's interesting. I never thought about that. That's super interesting to look at it that way. And I think you're 100 percent right. Is your body's telling you way before yeah. you're smart enough to realize in your mind or you're willing to admit to yourself, hey, this isn't yeah. this isn't right for it's me. It's how lie detector tests work. I mean, you can't fake out a lie detector with your brain. You can't yeah. be like, I didn't murder, I didn't murder that guy. So your body won't lie. So, all right, this is where I do this is the part where I'm guiding people or I have conversations with people. I don't know where the line's at. I don't know where the balance is at because so much now on Instagram and all the different stuff, there's so much what I think is crappy content out there. Follow your passion or do all this. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, at some point, you got to show up and do the work. You got to do things you don't want to do or you got to show up and and do things consistently to be successful. You got to put in the time and work. I do believe, like, you should love your job. You should love serving clients if that's what you're signing up to do. Like, there's got to be a love and a passion. It's not always easy. There is a lot of work. There is a lot of sacrifice. There's a lot that comes with that. I don't know the line of, like, you can't follow your passion all the time, but you also shouldn't be showing up to some, you're, like, sitting in the car, like, counting down the seconds till you got to walk in the door to yeah. go to work every morning. Like, God, this sucks. Or right. Like, you have to earn a living. Yeah. Like, what is the balance there? Like, what is, when you're guiding people, what's frou-frou passion BS versus hate my job, suck it up, go to work? Like, what is, where okay. is that line at? All right. So there's something called the body compass. <laughs> All right. And so the idea is that your body will let you know, like, this is a, an eight out of 10, like this is an amazing experience. I'm having a great time. You can kind of tell that, you know, like your body will have like your heart rate may increase and you're excited. And, and then your body will also let you know if it's a negative eight, if you feel a sinking feeling, a heavy sensation, Mm, dread. And so I walk the clients through like, okay, well, let's, let's calibrate it. Let's figure out what your positive six is and what's your negative six. And then you can use that for little things. Like my husband asked, do you want to go camping? And I'm like, in February, that's a negative four. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, okay. And then there's another tool called the bag it, barter it, better it. Three B's. Ooh, I like that. So it's bag it, barter it, better better it. it. So it's a way of sort of tweaking the number line. So if if camping is a negative four, Mm Then I could say, well, if we put it off till April, maybe it would be a positive one. Okay. Maybe if we rented a cabin with a hot tub instead of a tent, that's like a positive five. I like this. And so you can use your body to sort of like imagine a situation, decide what it would be, 
and then tweak it a little bit. You know, you can bag it, not do it. Yeah. Now, okay, this is interesting. Um, I'm a I'm a huge fan of coaching. Um, anybody that's ever listened to this podcast, I talk about coaching all the time, and I I pay way too much for coaching, but it's worth ten times what I pay, and I get coached every week. And coaching has changed my life as a business owner, as a person. Um, that is one thing I think I get coached on a lot that I have to remember. I turn everything into like zeros and tens. Like it's yeah. like all or nothing. Like yeah. camping is like, it's either like a negative 10 or a positive 10. Yeah, it, but you so, can slide it up the number scale yeah, just so by tweaking I have it. to constantly be kind of, I've never put it in those terms of the three Bs, but I'm constantly having to look at like everything's not a zero or a 10. There's a way to make, you know, for you camping, camping to me is a 10, but. Also, I can see for a lot of people, camping in February is a negative right. um, or a zero. And I'm like, everything doesn't have to be all one direction or the other. You yeah. can turn things into a f- four, five, and six. And if mm-hmm. you can get things in a four, five, and six, that's an awesome place to be. And exactly. So your entire life may not be a four, five, or six, but you can move in that direction. Yeah. I like the kind of compass and calibrating of this is a negative eight. And like this is a, so let's say I go through and I identify in my job, negative eights and positive eights, and there's more negatives than positives or whatever. Like, what do I, do you just try to reframe those things? Do you try to find a way to, like, get rid of the negatives and keep the positives? Or do you, well, is there a certain place you're like, you just yeah. need to, like, bag this whole thing? <laughs> so it's kind of job crafting. So if you look at the negative eights, which of those can you control? You know, is Ooh. it something that you absolutely have yeah. to do? Um, if you don't do that, is that your whole job? Could you barter it? Could you outsource it? Could you? Oh, that's huge entrepreneurs and business owners. Yeah. yeah. How so, many people are doing negative eights? They could just pay somebody else. To do right. So I try yeah. to ask myself that with like my website or my podcast or like I think to myself, oh, God, that's a negative five. I can't, do, you know, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you try to craft your job around the higher the number, you know, the fours, the threes, the and all I need up. to do that. That's a, I mean, just th- talking through and my wheels are turning. And so I do a lot of, I don't know, they're not negative eights. They're certainly not positive eights. But I'm like, they got to be done. And I don't really feel like paying for them. And so. Yeah. But the ones that you, so let's say you do have power over some of the like negative threes. Yeah. Okay. So is it, do you need to change the situation or do you need to change your thoughts about the situation? And so I have, I mean, I'm a very visual person. So a lot of times we'll make four columns and I'll write out the circumstances. Those are the facts, like somebody, a reporter would report. And then we do the thoughts around it. Like this sucks. This is hard. She's lazy, whatever. Yep. And then your, um, your feelings or emotions around it. You know, I feel anxious or dread or, and then the last column is your actions or outcomes. And you do have control over your actions or outcomes most of the time. Mm-hmm. And you do have control over the thoughts. You may or may not have control over the circumstances. So anyway, it helps me to look at it that way because you can kind of go through and you have a very visual of like what can you control. I love that. Because if you see you can control it and you somewhat admit that to yourself, then you know you have the ability to change mm-hmm. it one way or the other. Um, how many people are just not willing or to take action. Um, I know in my world of entrepreneurship and business, there's a lot of ideas and a lot of dreaming and a lot of goals, but 
lot of times there's very little action. Is that in the space of burnout? Do people know they're burnout or they know they should do some stuff? They just don't take action or... Yeah, but I would say they want to take external action. They want to get the resume ready and and jump ship and look for another job. It's the inner work that they have a hard time with. Ah, gotcha. It's the, like, could this be my fault? Am I blaming everybody else, but I'm not stepping up and changing what I can change? They'd rather keep working hard and something they don't have to do the hard work. Of like yeah, so that's the hardest shift that I see. Most people are ready to change. Like if I said, all right, I found a great job for you. Here, let me get you set up. They're ready to take action. They're, they're like, yes, because they're so desperate. It's like they're drowning and they want to grab onto anything. Ah, which is dangerous. They end up, yeah. yeah they're just, that's where you probably jump around or end up some places. Yes. Not at any better than where you left. Yeah, I see that. How many... How many people you think are truly living in burnout? Oh, gosh. So, I mean, it could be because this is my area, but, I mean, I hear about it on a daily basis, even seeing patients in dermatology. You know, they're only there for a little while, and they open up about, yeah, I have to get back to work, and I really don't want to get back to work. And so, I mean, I would say at least 40% of the population. I agree. I 100% (laughs) agree. Why is that? Is that like financial stress pushing them there? Is that? And the woo-woo part of me says we're not listening to our inner selves. We're not. We're not in alignment. We're not doing what we are supposed to be doing, whatever that is. And I know that people say, "Well, that's a privilege to do what you." Yeah, I can't do yoga all day, or I can't just travel all the time. I got to make some money. I got to. Pay bills, take care of my family. I want a decent car. So, but it's little baby steps, like little awareness. You know, every single day, practice that. Yeah, consistent steps of getting better and improving. I like that. I think that's really cool. Um, so, you, we talked earlier before we started recording. You are writing a book. Yes. Um, are you a? Have you? always wanted to write a book? Yes. And I've always been a writer. Like I've written blogs and articles. And so I finally hired somebody to help me birth my book into being. So if we look at it like I'm pregnant with a book, I'm about (laughs) two months. (laughs) I'm not out of the first trimester yet. Ah, it's in the early stages of this thing. (laughs) Yeah, it's still, still new. Loving it, hating it. I love it, but I hate getting corrected. <laughs> <laughs> and you're working with MJ, right? Yeah. If anybody's listened to this podcast for a while, MJ's been on the podcast. MJ's awesome. She is awesome. Um, she, She's she, my book midwife. I, call her. <laughs> I love this terminology. Um, tell me about the book. What is the? How did you get the courage to say yes to it? What's the book about? How yeah. long do you think it's going to take you to finish it? I think All I'll finish things. it this year. That's what I'm going to yes. put out there for myself. It's huge. So I would, I used to send notes to clients after each session, and I found that I was typing the exact same things a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to put it in an outline format. And if you're in this stage, these are the tools you can use. If you're in this stage, this is what I would do. Um, and then include a lot of stories. Okay, I like it. Yes. You got a name for the book yet? No, no, you know, my name's Hope, so it may be something like Hope of course for Burnout. Gonna, or I yeah. gotta use that. <laughs> I love it. So we'll keep on the lookout for that. That'll be ready this year. You have you do a podcast also. Yeah, right? I do a podcast. It's called Physician Assistant Burnout, but we talk about a lot it, it's applicable for any profession, I'd say. I love it. And then like any other future plans? Are you gonna step away altogether from 
part time? Not yet. I still enjoy it too much. Um, I look forward to, and I never thought I would say this, but I really look forward to my days seeing patients. I love it. Um, And so I don't think I'll step away from that anytime soon. That's what I have realized as well in a shift in in firms, a shift in kind of who we serve and what I do. I, I try to push myself into the CEO role or the more passive role, but I I figured out I truly enjoy like seeing clients. I enjoy sitting down those relationships, doing the work. I don't want to just manage people behind the scenes, right? Yeah. I want to sit back in an office and not interact in the day, day to day. And especially from an entrepreneur business side, like my business and like being in the business is also my learning lab of like getting, keeping the pulse on everything and interacting with clients and business owners, and entrepreneurs and handling the tax side. So I, I, I'm same thing. I don't think I'll ever walk away from like what I love doing from mm-hmm. a client standpoint. Cause I, if I can control, if it doesn't control me, if I can control it and it can fit into the schedule and serve me the way I want it to, then I think I'll always do it. It sounds like you're yeah. Oh, and I love that your body told you that, even though yeah. your brain said you should be the CEO or you should yeah. do this. And I try to teach my kids that too. So they've gotten to the point where at least my daughter, she'll say like, "No, my body says I should." You know, I I want to go to bed. Like she declined a sleepover the other night, and said, "I really feel like I need to stay home." <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> that's that's telltale, and that's it's interesting. I guess I learned how to listen or I learn how to recognize those things through screwing up in the past because it happened last year, kind of mid-year, July, August, September, um, going into the fall. I realized I was going home frustrated. Oh, yeah. Almost every day. And I, I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Like, I'm doing what I love. Like, I like set these goals. I'm, like, exceeding these goals. But I was frustrated with the management and frustrated with, like, I'm just not a good trainer. I'm not a good, I'm not patient. I don't have my expectations and reality versus my instructions don't line up. And so I found myself going home frustrated a lot. And I'm like, what's frustrating me? It's like trying to train employees and trying to like manage people. I, I don't like it. I actually hate it. Yeah. It's like, why the hell am I managing people Negative then? five. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, this is crazy. Let's stop trying to grow and scale and hire people and bring on more. Let's just, like, let's not take on any more clients. Let's, you know, clean up some staffing issues and let's just be really good at what we do and let's let there just be five of us. And I love coming to work every day and the people I work with and what I'm doing. And so yeah. it, it, it took that frustration for me to – recognize but I did what probably would have took five years right you saw it this time I saw it in a matter of a couple of months and I was like wait a minute this yeah. is not what I want to do and so yeah so I guess we learn and figure that stuff out yeah baby steps that's right all right this is my favorite part of the podcast this is where I get to put you on the spot this is where we get to leave our audience with a tip a tactic a takeaway a piece of advice this is the Max Out Moment of the Stronger Business Podcast. You have shared some amazing information and some really cool stuff. That I think our audience, just whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner, employee, like this applies in so many things we've we've learned along the way. But this is a chance, if they don't take anything else away from this episode, something to remember as they go into this weekend, um, think about, do, listen to, read. Hope, what is your Max Out Moment of the Stronger Business Podcast? Burnout is a wake-up call. 
more than anything else. It's a wake-up call that something has to change. I love that. Yes, and it's not sustainable. You better change it or it's going to take control of you. I love that. Burnout is a wake-up call. That's huge, which means you better find a way to change things or reach out or engage in some Or you're going to crash and burn. I love it. Where do people find you at? How do they connect? Um, They can find me on my website, coachhopecook.com or on Instagram, coachhopecook. And my podcast is Physician Assistant Burnout. I love it. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today and doing the podcast.